Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco and 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 Kevin. Let's uh let's first of all talk about j just kind of over overlooking the uh, the organization here for for a moment here and um, a, a tough stretch here for the Heartlanders is they travel down to Kansas City for four straight games heading into the the end of 2022. Had a tough battle out there, lost all four of those games, struggled offensively in every one of those games. You and I talked last week about we thought Iowa Wild were going to have a very tough week with Colorado coming to town. They wound up sweeping that series, which was pretty impressive by the club out there. And the Minnesota Wild, you know, they're 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 out there battling for that third spot, looking like they've you know had a had a pretty good week that suffered the one loss in Dallas. But overall, you got to feel pretty good about where this organization is going, especially at the higher levels. I think so. I. And then, you know, the game they lost to Dallas and St. Paul, it was rather unfortunate because, boy, I mean, it was a packed house and they were into the game. But the Wild just, um, the Bugaboo seemed to be losing the face-offs, which we know has been a problem with this organization. But generally, it was in, they were in that game and the, the vibe in the arena, it felt like a playoff game. But then that got sandwiched um, between a couple of very good road wins where they went up to Winnipeg and defeated the Jets. And then on New Year's Eve, did something they haven't done since 2018, and that's go down to St. Louis and win. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think you put it correctly. It's a pretty good vibe with this club right now. What I think they have to feel really happy about, too, is great December at home. You know, take away the one loss against Dallas, and they had at least one point, if not actually, – actually, I think they won all of their games. They did. They won all six games prior to that at home. But 4-1 and one on their last five games on the road, I, I feel like this club got to that level that you and I have been looking for out of this year, and this is really a time that they have an opportunity to really make some noise. They do, and I, I thought uh... – the rhetoric coming out of the locker room was pretty good after the game on Thursday night. Uh, they talked to the defenseman, John Merrill, and he just said, well, you know, it just didn't work out for us tonight. But as he put it, um, Saturday night we'll, we'll get the work boots on and um, go do what we need to do down in St. Louis. So you can tell this team is not um, not faced by very much right now, and they have, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Gustafson stops 31 of 32 shots against Winnipeg on Tuesday. Then on Saturday night, Marc-Andre Fleury stops 29 of 31 shots in St. Louis. As, as you mentioned, a place they, they traditionally have done terrible in, have really struggled in St. Louis. I, I think the club has got to be super excited about the fact that they can have confidence in whoever's between the pipes. They're going to get a good night out of their goaltending. And although he gave up three goals, um, Mark Andre Fleury was incredible on Thursday night. Thursday night, if he wasn't, that could have easily been a six-one-seven-one loss. But Fleury kept them in that game for a very, very good portion of it. As you look over this club right now, Kevin, and 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 I think that the numbers that we're starting to see very defensively, this club is playing better, but offensively, they're. I, th I feel like that hasn't they haven't had to sacrifice that now to get stronger defensive play. So as you look at the overall effectiveness of this club, is this a team that jumps in, get locks in that second spot? Are they a team that could even get into that top spot in the division? 
it's going to take some work because there has not been a lot of games within the division yet. So the second half of the year, I think you're really going to see a lot of more, a lot more in the games within the division where you're playing the Nashville's and the Dallas, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Colorado. I mean, right now, St. Louis or Colorado are both below Minnesota in the standings, and that's just something we're not used to seeing. So I think um, it's good. The Wild have a lot of confidence right now, and they're playing good hockey, but I think we're going to see more of a true barometer of where they are in the pecking order of the Central Division after the next month or so where maybe we'll finally get into some divisional games again. Well, we'll come back to schedule in a moment. But last year, I believe that there were six players on this team who had at least 30 goals. Uh, this season, it looks like the Kaprizov-Zuccarello line is really the one they can depend upon offensively. Matt, Matt Boldy has 12 goals on that second line for them. Uh, is this a team that's going to produce enough goals off of other lines to be able to, to carry them forward in the playoffs, a, a time when you can't depend on your first line to carry you because everybody's playing against them? Well, what I think we're seeing is... Um... The, where the loss of Kev, Kevin Fiala hurts his club right now, and especially with uh, Matt Boldy. Boldy's still having a decent year, but he didn't. He's not seeing off of a Kevin Fiala like he was last year. But within that, um, you're also seeing a guy like Frederick Gaudreau, who has not really had a lot of great scoring seasons in this league. He's already up to nine goals, so I think um, you're seeing seeing Gaudreau being a recipient of uh, having a line made like Boldy in. Now the Matt Hartman's been back and starting to find his groove again. Uh, I think you can see some good things from that line if they keep them together with uh, Hartman, Gaudreau, and Boldy. But that's going to that's gonna matter, though, if the uh, line with Kaprizov, uh, Zuccarello can still be productive with Sam Steele as center. I mean, Steele has passed every test so far, but you have to remember how good Matt Hartman was as a centerman for those guys last year. So I think the key would be for Steele to keep playing the way he is so that Hartman could be on that line with Gaudreau and Boldy to add a little depth to that line. You know what you're going to get out of Erickson, Eck, Felino, and Greenway. And then the fourth line, you know, the play's been good with uh, Dewar, Shaw, and Reeves. So that's the state of the offense, Rob. I don't think you're going to see them average as many goals as last year, but I think they're also playing a lot better on their own end of the ice than they did last year, too. Interesting schedule for the week, Kevin. Now, after this week, they're going to have a lot of games out east that they're going to be playing. But you're at home against Tampa Bay on Wednesday, then have to travel to Buffalo on Saturday and come back on Sunday to home to take on St. Louis. Not not an easy trip to Buffalo, then having to face on St. Louis. This could be a very tough week for this club. Well, peel back the layers on that a little bit, though, because they'll have Tampa Bay on Wednesday night. Well, Tampa Bay is playing in Chicago on right now as we're talking on Tuesday night. So. They're catching Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a heck of a club, but they'll be on the second game of a back-to-back. 
On Saturday, they go to Buffalo. Sabres are improved, but they have been struggling a bit as of late. But then they get the Blues at home on Sunday. And the Blues will also be traveling after a game on Saturday night. I believe they're in Montreal. So, you know, they're going to be on uh, equal footing with that where they'll both have a They'll both be traveling to Minnesota after the game, so there won't be a distinct advantage other than, obviously, Minnesota being the home team. So that's why we love having Kevin on, peeling back the layers. That's what we're talking about. Uh, to give a little breakdown, Minnesota currently third in the Central Division, 44 points at 21-13-2, three points behind Winnipeg, and three points ahead of Colorado. But, man, that division is just Unbelievably brutal. No doubt about that. Just a meat grinder, I think that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not kidding about that. Well, as Kevin and I talked about, big week, though, for the Iowa Wild, who uh, welcomed Colorado to town for two games prior to the end of the year and came away with a big 5-3 victory on Wednesday night, then came away with a 2-1 hard-fought battle on Friday. I, I, I think both of us were a little surprised <laughs> figuring that Colorado coming in red hot uh, playing exceptionally well this season, and Iowa had been terrible at home. But, boy, they sure put on quite a performance to end out the year. It was good to see, too, because Iowa has always had so much difficulty playing in Colorado against the are they the Eagles. Yes. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see the Wild um, uh, turn the trick on them by – sweeping two games at home against them. And I believe the first of the two games, I think they had almost like, I think it was like nearly 9,000 fans there. So, I mean, it was a really nice um, home ice advantage for them. Because as we were, I was talking about with a friend, it seems like with hockey and other sports, the week between Christmas and New Year's, you tend to have an uptick in attendance. And it was like that everywhere last week. So it, I think it was beneficial for Iowa to be home for those two games and have more butts in the see through in the mound and give them more of a home ice advantage. Yeah, and and they sure got huge crowds out of that. And um, yeah, I mean that, that's just exciting to see when you when you can when you go out there as a player and you know that you're going to have a huge following, huge group of people out there cheering you on and that, that you get a little extra step. And we, we hear that from players across many different sports all the time. And so, you know, I, I think that's imperative for this club. And I think it says a lot about even a struggling Iowa wild club who's been not playing very well at home lately, crowd still came out for them. And I think that says a lot about the fan base here in Des Moines. I think it does. Uh, the wild done such a good job at the grassroots level that uh, people are coming out whether they're struggling or or they're like the last um, couple years when they were at the top of the division when they had that run where they went to the playoffs. So it goes to show you that the franchise is in solid hands. They're not going anywhere for a while. The people know it. It's their team. So it's a really good combination right now between the fan base and the franchise itself. Yeah, nearly 6,900 people on Wednesday, almost 9,000 on Friday. That, that's that's just fantastic. you, you got to love that. 
Well, Kevin, I, th I think if there's one thing that has kind of stepped out to me here is that um, Zane, Zane McIntyre faced only 18 shots on Wednesday. Gr great defensive effort by the club, but gave him three goals in that game. Malstead comes back on Friday night, stops 34 of 35 shots. He looks like he's a step above McIntyre right now in terms of performance. Do you see him as the guy who gets most of the duty going forward? I don't think they want to burn McIntyre out in his, I mean, uh, Volstead out in his first professional season. And I think maybe the problem with McIntyre is that when he's playing, he's not facing enough shots, and it's not giving him a chance to sharpen up his game a bit. Because, I mean, you look at those two games, he only faced 18, but yet um, Volstead nearly faced um, double that on Friday night. So... I don't think you want a situation where you're burning out your young guy in his first professional season. I think we saw that uh, a few years back where Kapokakinen had a very good year, played probably a little more than he should have, and he wore down as the year went on. Well, great performance by the, t by the team on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, guys we're not used to seeing on the score sheet leading the way. Dakota Mermis with his third goal of the season. Turner Ottenbright got his first goal of the year. Damian Giroux not only got his first goal of the season, but his second goal of the season as well. So they were the guys leading the club out there. And, and You know, I, I think it, as a, as a p person watching from the outside, you're looking at this and saying, hey, there's got to be more depth to this team out there to come up with goals. And when you get four four goals from guys who were scoring their first or second goal of the season, you got to be pretty happy about that. No doubt about it. And uh, they they were playing with a lack of depth on this week because you had, you had Sammy Walker and Adam Beckman both um, playing with Minnesota. So that cuts into your forward depth right there where you needed a guy like a Giroud to step up and produce offensively so it was good to see and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the that Iowa did name Dakota Mermis as team captain after it's become obvious that Mason Shaw's not going to be coming back to Des Moines anytime soon. Actually well deserved C on the sweater there too for sure. Nick Patton scores both goals in the 2-1 victory on Friday night again his third and fourth goals of the season so uh, you know, get getting depth, and that's that's what we like to see out there. So fantastic, Iowa Wild right now at this particular point, Kevin, uh, come into this week uh, in fifth place in the division at thirteen, thirteen and four. They are five points behind Manitoba, hanging on to six points ahead of Chicago. Unfortunately, Chicago holding a three to one lead as Kevin and I are now a four to one lead as Kevin and I are recording the show. Um, the club out in Chicago, then come home for two against Rockford. Rockford is never fun for this club, it seems like. Two huge games coming up on the weekend. It always seems like the games are doozies between the two clubs, though, and you can never really predict um, one game to the next who's going to come out ahead, so it makes for interesting hockey, but this team at some point needs to rattle off, like, six out of eight wins in a row, eight out of ten, nine out of 12, whatever. They just need to get that one hot streak to get over the hump where they're not just playing 500 hockey and they feel like that they are a legitimate um, threat in the, within the division. 
You know, it's interesting, Kevin, is these teams had played each other four times this year, but only one time in Des Moines, a 7-4 Rockford victory back on December 13th. So first three three games were in Rockford, all Iowa Wild victories. Uh, So the road team has had their way in this series so far this season. And, uh, you know, if you kind of look at this, I feel like it's, again, that depth down on the lower lines to come up with, you know, a guy who only has one or two goals coming up with a goal in these games that really gives – Iowa's got to have that if they're going to come away with victories this weekend. It was interesting. I was watching the beginning of the game tonight, and um, Ben Gifelson was talking about how you got um, Beckman and Walker back down with the Iowa again, and you think that, okay, well, all right, now this team can roll, but – that's just not happening tonight with uh, only one goal for Iowa thus far against Chicago. And it seems like um, sometimes this team has played better when they know they're a little bit undermanned. So that, I think, is a pretty interesting dynamic there. Very good observation. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the Iowa Heartlanders. A, a tough two-week stretch there in Kansas City. They dropped both games. Uh, last week, a, a five to two loss on Friday, a two to one loss on Saturday. Uh, five goals scored in the four games in, in Independence, Kevin. Uh, it just this offense had no answers for Kansas City what, whatsoever. And I wonder if you think that that is a precursor or, or a sign of what what is to come, or is that just a tough couple of weeks in, in Independence? I'd like to hope it was just a couple of tough weeks, but this club really hasn't shown me anything this year to show that they're ready to get on any sort of roll whatsoever. And I know that our show has got a little bit of tension, a little bit of attention among the Heartlander faithful that um, we were part of a Facebook post this week. And the post pertains to something I believe we may have touched upon last week. I'm not totally sure on this, but right now on the roster, other than Hunter Jones, there is not one guy on this team that is an AHL veteran or is someone that's on a two-way contract between the Heartlanders and the Iowa Wild. And when you're going against teams that are having their rosters fortified a bit by players that they want to get more playing time that are part of the parents' club, maybe their future plans, it's, it's tough to compete. And it just seems like the guys that... The Heartlanders, again, are just young, young, and younger. I see they traded for Clayton Phillips, and Phillips is a guy that I remember from his brief time playing for University of Minnesota, and then he finished his collegiate career at Penn State. I know Phillips is a, more of an offensive-minded defenseman, and maybe he'll give their offense a bit of a boost from the blue line, so we'll see how Phillips does in Coralville, but I don't know what they need to do. I don't know if they're willing to go out and try to make any kind of a blockbuster deal to try to land themselves a guy that has been a winning player in the ECHL because it just seems like right now they're just trying to do it with a lot of young players. And, you know, young players have young psyches, and eventually they're going to get demoralized by these stretches like they've had where they've dropped four games on a, in a row where eventually you can't do that and stay in the playoff race too long and then 
you're not in the playoff race, and what are what are you playing for? And why are, why would people want to come out and watch? You know, I I think that's one of the most important po- points of this whole thing for this team. So you have 45 games left in the season. I realize that's a lot of games. Okay, but right now you come in eight points behind Kalamazoo for that final spot or for the sixth place spot. So that's so if you're talking about 29 points for Wheeling and Toledo who are tied for for fourth place. I mean, that's not insurmountable, uh, insurmountable with so many games left in the season. But you got to wonder, when you have no one that you can say, man, uh, uh, Chris Bennett, w- hey, if we're behind, we-, we can count on him to come up with a goal. Or Zach White was having a big season last year for them. We can count on these guys to come up with goals. And when you don't have somebody like that, I, I think you're always thinking, man, if we give up a goal early, we're done. You know, and I think the biggest concern for this team, Kevin, has been they had just a terrible time holding leads. The third period has been just abysmal for this team this season. Uh, they lost last Wednesday against Kansas City. They're up two to one. Give up a goal halfway through the second period, and then three in the third, and they lose on uh, Friday on Saturday night. They uh, again they tie the score up in the third, then give up a late goal. And I, and I think right now, a young club in particular, when you give up those late leads like that or, or when you give up, you know, teams beat you in the third period, you, you, that really starts to crush you after a little bit. And I know we've been pretty tough on Hunter Jones on this show, but I think it's a team-wide philosophy where they get into the third period, they see a tight game, and like, oh, they're not thinking, what are we going to do to win? After a while, the thought kind of gets them back ahead. Okay, what's going to happen where we're going to lose? It just doesn't seem like they're going out and claiming the game as their own. They're just kind of, obviously they want to win, but in the back of their mind, it's like, okay, what's going to happen tonight? What fluky play is going to happen? Is there going to be a a weird penalty that we take? Is it going to be a bad hop? And it just happens with teams that struggle, like the Heartlanders have been struggling. You know, I have to tell you, last year, broadcasting with the Thunder, they were in a situation like that where, where for about a month, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, I think they lost nine out of ten games in the third period. Okay? And they had a lead in almost every one of those contests. And all of a sudden, teams always battled back in the last eight or nine minutes of games, tied it to send it to overtime, or came away with a victory in regulation. And you can see it on the ice. You can see the plays that are made that you go, well, here's why we lost tonight. You know, you're watching that and you're, and you're going, man, I totally see why this team is struggling. And right now watching the Heartlanders play, I look at them and I say, okay, yeah, I can, I can watch that right there. And I can go, okay, now I know why this team is, is losing games. And, and I don't mean that in a way like they're not trying or they're not putting the effort. It's just those small little things, Kevin. And, you know, this, it doesn't matter where you're at in professional hockey. If you're not doing the details, the small details, you're going to lose. And I know it's cliche, but it's a matter of playing a complete 60 minutes. And it gets demoralizing because you can play you can play a perfect game for two periods and have a one goal lead, and then if your mind wanders or you are trying to do too much, you make a silly mistake. It all goes for naught. Well, this team has an opportunity this week to do something here. So three three games with Indy coming to town, and then they go to Indy for a game uh, uh, next Wednesday before unfortunately traveling on to Kansas City once again. A lot, a lot of Maverick games this this season for some reason. But 
Indy in the standings, as you're looking it up there, they're at, they're at the top of the standings. Maybe you're not looking to come away with six points out of this, but I, I feel like you've got to get three and, and, and say, hey, look, if we're going to make an effort, it's got to be – we're going to make a stand. Here, here's where we're going to make that stand and get off this year off on the right foot. Well, I, you know, the schedule I'm looking at here, am I right that it's three in a row against um, Indy at – Extreme Arena. Yes. So I mean that that's a huge set right there, and I perfect chance for them to gain points on a divisional foe. As I'm looking, yeah, I see Indy's having a heck of a year, but boy, you know if you can find a way to knock them off in a couple of games, uh, I think it does something for your confidence. Where you maybe go on the road and you down to Kansas City and you get some revenge on them. Well, I also look, too, looking a little ahead here, and I, I know teams are trying to stay focused on one night at a time here, but you know, three games against Indy here at home. If you can come away with three or four points out of that, then head to the road, then come home for six games in your division on your own home ice over the two weekends after that. And I feel like this is an opportunity to start building something, building a little momentum for yourself. And and I I'm not I'm not expecting this team to be a playoff contender. I think fans and and I'll admit we were caught up in this a little bit too. Um, they had such a great season last year because of all of the call ups and COVID stuff going on that they maybe not maybe they did play above themselves what where this team really should have been at and the expectations grew this season, Kevin. And unfortunately now, with no help from the Minnesota Wild organization at this point, I wonder if this team is capable of getting out of, uh, out of the cellar because it's hard to find 15 or 16 quality professionals that, that are out there that aren't coming from an AHL or, or an NHL contract, and, and that's, that's a real challenge for the coaching staff right now. Well, you look at the captaincy Reese Smolik is a captain, and I believe he's maybe a second, maybe a third-year pro. That's a big deal. You know, it ideally, really you'd like to have a guy that maybe he's only going to get you 15 goals a year, but it, it, he's someone that has had success in the league and that kind of knows what it takes to to have a locker room that's going to be conducive to winning hockey games. So... I mean, Smoke might be trying his heart out, but boy, that's a that's a lot of uh, pressure to put on a young player like that. Yeah, his second year after coming out of Minnesota State University, Mankato, um, w- with the club. Now, you know, he had ten games up with the Iowa Wild, but uh, last season. But um, you know, that that's that's not a huge deal. You know, it's still a young guy. So what? What it, I, I must be. I'm assuming here about. 26. I mean, that's still, you know, kind of a little older guy, but only two years of professional hockey. That's not a lot. Well, it should be interesting. And with the East oh. I would like to see them, you know, I, I saw what happened with Minnesota when they claimed Ryan Reeves off of waivers. And Reeves has been a great addition to that locker room. And he's also been a guy that, boy, when he's on the ice, he has a presence. And um, people aren't taking liberties with the Wild like they were for a while. And you have to wonder if maybe 
you go out and get a guy that um, another team finds expendable, but someone that could come in and provide a little bit of toughness for the team where they're not, where the younger guys on the team aren't going to have liberties taken with them as much, and maybe they can go out and play a more freewheeling um, style of play and show off their talent and rack up some wins. Absolutely. And, you know, I think when you're a struggling club, it can be those, you know, that, that big hit, that pushing some guy around and who's trying to get position in front of your net. It's those little things that can spark a team. And um, maybe a little grittier guy right now could be a difference for this club. So uh, we'll, we'll be watching to see if there's some trades that are made out there. If there's a guy available like that that they can go out and get, I guess is the next question you got to start looking at, Kevin. I mean, I don't know who's out there available that really could benefit the club like that at this point. Well, you have to imagine there could be somebody out there. Uh, <laughs> but a matter of doing the diligence to going out and getting that done. It just seems like most of the guys that they're getting now are guys that are playing in the SBHL, which is obviously a, a level down, and you know they're not making any huge impact. Like you know they, they hit gold on that a couple times last year, but this year I'm not seeing the same thing. Well, it should be an interesting week out there, Kevin, and. Uh... Exciting contest ahead. All three clubs looking to try to make some headway in their division races. So uh, now we're in the new year here, Kevin. Brand, brand new year with 2023. So have a something something new uh, for for our talk here today uh, to close out the show. Um, what, what's a, a, a something kind of a new start or, or, or something that kind of stands out to you in, in Minnesota Wild history? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm on the spot again here. Yeah, I, I love that. I'd have to say, I'm not sure, I think it was 2014, 2015, when the Wild were struggling, and they believe they made, they fired Mike Yo and brought in John Torchetti, brought John Torchetti up from the Iowa Wild, and the team responded to him right away, won a couple games on the West Coast, and played good hockey the rest of the way and ended up making the playoffs. So, you know, fulfilling the criteria you're talking about, it was almost like a new year once um, the Wild made the move, and it was like a new start for a lot of guys. So it was a year that was heading down the toilet, but they managed to revive themselves and still made the playoffs. See, I knew you could pull that out. Look at that. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure, Rob.